Hello, beautiful people. Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Jonathan R. King, who pledged an extra dollar a month so he could not only gain access to our patrons-only podcast, the original cast of the movies, but so he could also get a personal message on the show. Here now is that message. The original cast is supported in part by JR, who asks me, Patrick, if my mom is still seeing that guy. He means my dad. And yes... They've been married for nearly 43 years. <sighs> Want to make me say something on this podcast? Go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod to become a patron, support this podcast, and gain access to the over 20 episodes of the original cast, the movies. Again, patreon.com slash originalcastpod. All right, here's the show. Quick programming note before we begin. The show we are discussing today contains lyrics made of words that not everyone likes to hear out loud and concepts that not everyone likes to hear discussed with everyone else. As such, it may not suit your current listening situation. Listener discretion is advised. I was in a community theater production of a show that I did not, because I didn't really know Cats well. It mm. was called Dolls, and I didn't realize that it was basically a ripoff of Cats, oh. because we were all porcelain dolls in an attic, and there was like a spell that like once every 50 years or something, like a doll gets to come to like life and be a sure. human child. Great. And so it's like, who's So it's gonna... like Cats meets Brigadoon. 100%, awesome. yeah. Awesome. Oh, I had a great time. I loved I'm it. I'm sure you did. Like, yeah, um, no. I was the porcelain doll with like a crack in her face and she had a lot of hangups oh about God. it. Well, yeah. And she thought she was going to be the one, but then it was like the rag doll who was pure of heart. Anyway. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a playwright and a recovering child actress. <laughs> it's Serena Berman, everybody. An aspiring adult actress. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> I still act you as still well act? as write. I do, oh, that's yeah. Good. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great. Trying to balance those things. Sure. City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tricky. Um, yeah. And we're here to talk about hair. Give me head with hair. Long, beautiful hair. Shining, gleaming, steaming, waxing, waxing. Give me down the there hair. Show the length for longer. Here, baby, there, mama. Everywhere, daddy, daddy, I was deeply shocked no one had done hair yet. I'm a little surprised myself, now that you mentioned that, that no one ever yeah. brought it up. How did hair come into your life? Um, okay, well, hair was one of the first music... So I grew up in a family, like, my parents had very different music tastes, and both of them liked musicals. So that mm. was, like, the compromise <laughs> music in the house. <laughs> All right. Um, and there were, like, a couple musicals that were on constant rotation, the biggest, of course, being Les Mis. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete symphonic recording, which I oh, wow. I had many plans to come in here and do that, but you had already done I'd it. Already like, done I truly it, yeah. know every inflection of oh, that CD. Wow. It's, like, baked into my DNA. All right. Um, that, uh, I think, Avita was another mm -hmm. big one. Um, and Hair. And to be honest, Hair was probably my least favorite as a kid of the things that played in my house. Mm -hmm. I think because, like... I was all about like the singing and like musicals mm -hmm. and it didn't feel 
like a musical. It's the in least the musical way that like I understood. Capital M quotation marks musical. Yeah, of it those felt three. the closest to the music that my dad liked, which was like classic rock and sure. blues and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I was like, well, that's fine. Yeah. Um. So you know, I knew it and I liked it and like I was like, this is a musical and I like it. Um. But it was I was maybe less enamored with it mm-hmm. as a kid. Um. And what? Is, oh, my sixth grade boyfriend did a production of Hair, a like after school. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, I think I that mean, I won't the ask if ages did the nudity, ranged. They, they did not do the yeah, nudity. I wouldn't think so. Um, he played Margaret Mead, so he grade? did. The closest to the nudity actually was that like he was. Well, he took off his jacket. He, yeah, yeah, he, he had takes to off open the up coat. his coat, and he had like just boxers underneath. Um, yeah, we were in sixth At grade. Twelve. Yeah, I think that it was like ranging. Where'd you from go to middle school? <laughs> This was like an after-school program oh, situation, okay. and I think that they ranged from like twelve to eighteen or seventeen, probably. Okay, all right. All right. So it was like gotcha, know, but still no nudity. Well, uh, no. <laughs> um, but I, re- yeah, I remember that. Um, probably the first time I saw it. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I don't think that. I, so so when I was in college, when I was a freshman the revival was happening. And okay. It was like the first week of NYU and I was pretty depressed. Did not have a great first week at NYU. Oh. Um, but my mom was, st- when my mom was still in town, she took me to see hair and I was obsessed with it. Wow. Yeah. Very, very obsessed with it. It was an incredible production. Um, and then I, I, I don't know if that I got the soundtrack. I probably just bought it on iTunes or something mm-hmm. at that point. Um, so then the revival was just like constantly playing jam. in my dorm room. And then after that, I kind of switched back and forth between the revival and the original. Okay. And it was like, I, I like re-found my love for what the original was. It's probably the first, it's, it's maybe the only musical that like my love for it was like revived through a revival and not the sure. original. Because right. I'm usually like, I'll listen to the revival, maybe I'll like it or like certain tracks, but like I'm usually mm-hmm. more enamored with an original cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but hair was kind of the opposite. But I I would say it's probably like an even, they kind of do different things for me. Like Yeah, I'd imagine they, they would. They're very different recordings. They are so very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like different things about them, so mm-hmm. in different um moments I choose to play different um hmm. recordings but yeah it's still a really I mean my my grandmother passed away this past summer mm-hmm. and it was like pretty somber in the house I made like a playlist of classical music like sad classical music that my mom would like and we were like cleaning up stuff around the house after and everyone was just like sad <laughs> and then I was like okay we have to change this music and I right. put on hair and that was like the thing that Those lifted my mom and everybody. Well, that's up. great. So like hair is pretty meaningful for me. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. Um I first encountered hair because I sent you the original yes. public theater recording. Did you listen to it? I that? sure did. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> I didn't know there was a difference. It was that thing of like um working going through my dad's record collection and like finding that LP. And just being like, oh, I guess this is hair, and putting it on and being like, it was good. I mean, I really <laughs> like, liked what it. Is what this? I was, it was just kind of like it was un, it was sort of raw and disconnected and very odd. And I like it didn't match any of the stuff I'd yeah. read about the show. And I thought, okay, well, that's fine. And then later, knowing the like the LP that we have here, that's the cover. Being like, oh, clearly, the recording I have is different. 
and then took, but it took a while before I got the actual yeah, album. How long were you like all about that recording? For a long time before, wow. on my Fisher Price record player. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it was probably not, it was probably just like a year or two. Um, this is the early nineties. So this was all I had was what was right. Well, and the CD store, like I saw it in a, in a, in a record store. I was like, Oh, I should get that. And aside from the fact that it has twice as many songs on it as the, as the other one does. <laughs> um, but so yeah, it was a show that I knew. It was a show that I knew really well. I then was in it freshman year of college. I sang Electric Blues and Don't Put It Down. Ugh. And um, was the only one, though, who knew. I also sang, um, what's it called? Dead End, which is on that cast recording, mm -hmm. but is not on the, the Broadway cast recording and is in the show. So I was the only one who knew that song. Oh. So I got to say, <laughs> I would say it's a quart it's a quartet in the current in the current version, and so I was in the quartet, but I was the only one who knew like actually the lyrics and the and the melody. So yeah, that was yeah, pretty you came funny. Prepared. I was like, yes, I know this song, <laughs> and so yeah, so that was my experience with hair. And we did it. It was freshman year of college, like you say, which is a like super emotional time. And oh, yeah. our director did this thing where. Even the characters, the actors who didn't have character names, you assigned yourself a character name. And that could be any hippie kind of name or just regular name that you wanted. And then we only referred to each other by character names during rehearsal. Not in a like method acting, like we're in, right. it was just you <laughs> called each other the character name. So there are people I went to college with. <laughs> Who don't know my name because I don't what know. What was some your of hippie name. name? Hawkeye. It wasn't great. Hawkeye. But it was where it was. So there are people who are like Hawkeye. only know me as Hawkeye. <laughs> it is, it, and it is a weird. There are some people I know only as Arlo. What's another one? Coral. One. I don't know their real names. <laughs> like I just don't. I did at the time. Like I knew it at the time, but in my head they are. Yeah. They are. Uh, that's who they are. That's great. Um, they should all have names. I mean, any production yeah. should do that. Well, it was, and it was a little bit like Godspell, where like. You don't have character names. You're just like the your first name is your character name. And that's right. Like, so it was kind of that vibe where it's just like because we weren't like having to be hippies and having to like act like it, it, it was just th those were our names. So when we're working, that's what you call it. It just puts you in yeah. the right group mindset. Yeah. The, the people at the music school at Catholic U called us a cult. Um, <laughs> that sounds because about right. of it, which felt sure. yeah, felt about right. <laughs> it was weird being inside of it and sort of looking outside and people being like, right. "You guys are weird." And you're like, I don't think if we're your weird production at all. of hair doesn't get called a cult by somebody, maybe yeah. you're doing hair wrong. That's true. That's <laughs> probably true. And uh, we also didn't do the nudity because it was a Catholic school. But there um, you go. But it, was it discussed? Was it like it a was controversy? Totally like, are we going to do it? Are we not going to do we it? Were we were definitely. I never. Th I don't think any of us had any illusions that we were going to do the nudity. I also still wonder. I was just talking about this the other day with um, Jay Schmidt because we talked about the full Monty. Mm. And like, you don't have a lot of time to get naked in the segment in because it's in Where Do I Go? So you're really just stripping very quickly. Well, that's my question because it's during the Beads, Flowers, Freedom, Happiness thing. And it's supposed to end when everybody sings Freedom at the end of that song. Yeah. They're supposed to be naked people. And I remember my costume was, was period. And I had on a flowy shirt. And that's fine. But I had on these pants that I could not have taken off quickly right. or like, or relaxingly. Like they had weird buttons in the front and stuff. And I was just like in the dark dancing, I would never be able to get these pants off. Maybe I would have gone was... behind a flat, like taking them. And that's super weird <laughs> too. That's Catholic University costume design. Like might you are been. not getting these Maybe, off. That's true. You will that stay close. So we were allowed to take our shirts off, but the women had to wear, there were some of the women in the cast who were like, oh great, then I'll wear a nude bra. And like, nobody knows. and then that, 
kibosh came down on that. that uh, wait, so had, women were allowed to take their shirts off as well? But they had to have they on couldn't... clear, like, not clear, but like Something that black you could see. or dark yeah. bra so you could see what was like, that they weren't actually topless. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It's not a show. I was actually kind of happy. And like looking back on it now, if I did a production of hair, I don't know that I would do the nudity mm. because I feel like it's a, it's one of the things the show is famous for, and it has it's it is so different. Nudity is so different now. Yeah, and so it, it doesn't mean what it meant in 1968 when they got naked on the stage as a like in the sense that like you can go on the internet and see anyone naked at any time. Sure, but also. It's so loaded and decontextualized now. Like, to me, I mean, yes, because also people in the audience would take pictures and then post them online. Like, they absolutely would. And that's crappy. But it's also this thing of, like, it's somehow gotten silly. Like, it's not, it's also everywhere. Partially, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. Like, it's it's so commonplace. And back in 1968, it would have been been harder, not impossible, (laughs) but harder to find nudity. And... It's the kind of thing where, like, the purpose of it to me is the freedom of it. It's the, like, expression of, like, we are all naked under our clothes, so what's the difference? It's kind of the concept. Just like growing your hair and letting it all kind of hang, being more animal and free and and tribal. And it wouldn't wouldn't be that. It would be, you know, the... Here comes the naked part, right. you know. It's it's so loaded, it especially in the show. On the production and oh, totally. It, did yeah. they do it in the revival? They did. Okay. It's just the lighting is I guess so you low. Have to in Broadway, like yeah. you, you just have people. To. If you don't do it, then people it becomes a bigger mad. story yeah. than doing it. That's true. Um, but I just, w- yeah, in the revival, which is I guess the only production that I've seen with nudity in it, because mm. I mean the you know but the, the grade teens one didn't, didn't have it, the but they didn't. They just sort of didn't even nod to it. Like they just did the right. song, they just did the song, which is it. It's interesting that that your university decided to like do something but not full nudity, as opposed to yeah. just like let's sing and like have this moment. That's it was a student to theater company clothes. production. It wasn't right. like a so university like, production. So yeah, there was definitely honor this. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a bunch of people who would like, no, we're going to do the nudity, you know. And then <laughs> right. school being like, you're not, you doing, are not <laughs> doing the nudity. Yeah, nice idea. No, we did get not. to smoke, but we didn't right. do the nudity because it was still the '90s. You could still smoke inside. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gotten more strict. Nudity's gotten less strict. Totally. Uh, yeah, it's true. But yeah, I just remember that the lighting was so low that. You could barely even distinguish individuals from each other, sure. and you're just sort of which is kind of the clump. point, Again, yeah. yeah. And that's why I feel like it's not the same as like here we all are, we're naked. I'm interfacing with you very personally. Like right. it's just a a moment that is about like what is the totality of this picture? Sure. Um, and it was very beautiful, and the music is very beautiful, and I think that like I think that it can still be meaningful and still has a place in yeah, the show. Yeah, I think you can do it. I, I, but I, you're right, it's become such a thing. It's so loaded. It would depend on That's where so it was sad, done. Though. But I would really be like, my dream is to direct this at a college. And if I did it at a college, I would not do the nudity. Yeah. I, I think it would just, because I don't want the show to be about that. It's also yeah. the end of act one. If it was the end of the show, that's one thing. But like, it's, we're only halfway through. There's so much more to go yeah. <laughs> in act two. I don't want people to leave also, frankly. But right. I don't want like, it would feel like a peak. It would feel like we're peaking too early. And it would also, it becomes a very loaded conversation now with younger actors, especially. Yeah. That I would just be like, we're just not, we're going to skip that part of it. When <laughs> I was in college, I would have been angry at that. Like, I would have yes. wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm out of college, I'm more like, 
I see why maybe college students should not. Like, mm-hmm. it's it just means different. I don't know. Your yeah, relationship to your body and to other people's bodies. There's mean a different peer things. pressure aspect of it. Especially women. Like, yeah, that's my, po- that's my point. I, I don't know. Maybe now, maybe people going into college now are in a different spot culturally, Pro- but like, I, you just have a different relationship to yourself as a body and mm-hmm. a sexual being that like, you. Well, you don't I also maybe have, realize until later. Well, I also have, and I want to get into this now. <laughs> I have real problems with the way hair is generally generally staged. In what way? Fifty years later, we'll get into that in okay, a second. Great. Because first, I'd like I would like to <laughs> mm-hmm. see if you could summarize. If I could summarize the plot, the of, plot hair. of hair. The plot of hair. Yes. Um, the plot of hair is a bunch of young people, uh, are hippies. What I in what I think of as a park in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I guess, protagonist of this tribe, which is sort of like an ensemble of people who who most of the plot is just like them introducing themselves in not even like this is who I am, but like just say, you know, introducing themselves via song. Yeah. Um, but the protagonist is Claude, who uh, likes to pretend he's from Manchester. Um, and right. I guess the which bulk of the plot is <laughs> Everybody is getting their draft card and burning them, and it is Claude deciding whether or not mm-hmm. to join his friends and burn his draft card or um, allow himself to be drafted right. and go off to war. Right. Um, so that is, I guess, the what I would call the plot. And then there's mm-hmm. sort of love stories here and there with Sheila, who's in love with Berger. Jeannie kind of lays it all out. Who's mm-hmm. in love with who right. and why and book. what's yeah, up. Yeah. Um, and then you have a little girl come out and sing about the guy she met in the park, <laughs> which is my mom's favorite song. Oh, Frank Mills? Yeah. yeah. Um, which really is not related to the plot at all. Couldn't be less related to the plot, in my opinion. Um, well, yeah, because the plot is... It's super light. Yeah. And there's, I mean, nothing's related but to that the plot, through But that through line is... Really, that's the through line. And that's is, what I think gives it a There's this running bit of like trying to get Burger... Not Burger, excuse me. Trying to get Claude to burn his draft card. Yeah. And he just won't. And he gets drafted. And he goes to Vietnam. And he dies. Yeah. Is the kind of like the arc Ultimately of the show. Because it also... Yeah. Like the whole, the whole show takes place in summer. And then the yeah. last number, Flesh Failures, is the winter. Is the winter yeah. And they're waiting for him to come home from Vietnam. And it turns out they're waiting for his coffin to come home <sighs> off so the plane. Sad. It is. It's and really it's, sad. It's really sad. But it's supposed to be sad. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be this Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Did the production, the Broadway revival, contain the song Hippie Life? I don't think so. Okay. You would remember if it did. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Because um, what, what really bothers me and this will be kind of a a through line i think of our conversation so we don't have to dig deep into it now is dramaturgically (laughs) he said um (laughs) there's no way i'm okay there's no way i can say this and not sound snobby so i'm not even gonna no please sound snobby it is it's a shit because i'm being snobby about hair let's be snobby funny enough as it is (laughs) the the show is about essentially you know hippies in 1968 in new york which is different from hippies in the West Coast in 1968. Yeah. They're two very, very different kinds of hippies. And there's a great documentary. God, this is just getting worse. Called, <laughs> called um, it was 20 years ago today, about the first half of it is about the making of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm-hmm. But the second half is just about what the world was like in June to August of 1967, which is when this musical was written. Mm. It's about the summer of love. And... 
it starts with Sergeant Pepper and then goes through all of these monumental Vietnam protests, basically, and what the world was doing through 1967. And what you get is one of the, it ends with the protest at the Pentagon where the uh, Abby Hoffman said they're going to levitate the Pentagon. And it ends with the, I mean, the very famous picture from that protest is the young man putting flowers in the guns yeah. of the National Guard. That's that protest. So what was funny about it, though, is that Abby Hoffman says, he's like, we were doing that as a publicity stunt. Mm. He's like, we're just like, we're going to levitate the Pentagon. It was just going to be a big protest and we wanted there to be a lot of cameras. So I would say things like that. Right. He said then immediately people from California started calling and showing up explaining how they could how to literally levitate the Pentagon. And it was, to him, the difference between these two groups, where it's like in New York, Interesting. it was a lot more of like action to result. It was like living in the real world, but expanding your consciousness about what that could be and how media influence would work. And in the West Coast, it was literally like, no, there is spiritual magic in the universe, and we are going to harness it and access Interesting. it. Interesting. And that group of hate Ashbury, like, you yeah. know, L.A. group. That's what usually gets represented in modern versions. Everybody is a little cleaner. Everybody's a little bit more clean shaven. They, they're they a little bit more, <laughs> they're not dirty. Uh, and they're a little bit more, it's a show that ends up being a lot more about the happy, fun-loving, hippie stereotype mm -hmm. than the sort of, like, much more pragmatic group of people who were like living in New York at the time, which is, you know, it's hard no matter what decade you're living in and are much more just like trying to create a new way of life in the real world. But that is totally different from the, from the world itself, still having spiritual awakenings, still doing all this. That's but there's, very interesting. There's a difference to me between the grittiness of the New York hippie and the, the sort of, wild freeness of it's the difference between a place where you can sleep outside year round and a place where like half the year you yeah. definitely need shelter <laughs> or you're going to die and there's a pragmatism that that creates to me even in a hippie that it but when it gets represented it feels like starbucks doing hippies or or like you know an uh, apple commercial version of hippies well and it's it's a weird period of history though like 1966 to 71 basically mm -hmm. and that's kind of being generous with the, with how long i'm talking about because the hippie movement that's represented in this show was very, very short-lived. And it was quickly, to me, fetishized by both the people who participated in it mm -hmm. and the people who, like, were observing it from the outside. Because it always ends up being like, oh, it was great music. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. always, like, the end argument for, like, a lot of people. Like, oh, it was great music. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was. But that doesn't, like justify all the other nonsense you're yeah. hanging on top of it like there was a lot of stuff that happened that's very interesting to me and that's one of the reasons i love this show is because it feels like at its heart frozen and amber is a point of view of a period of time that was very influential and quickly dissipated yeah. like i think by the time this show closed on broadway it wasn't really what year was that? like 72 i 72. believe okay um it was it wasn't really a thing anymore. You know what I mean? Like it was it was already starting to not be part of what was yeah. going on. The seventies really came in hard and fast on uh, <laughs> in the world, and it uh, yeah you know caused uh, caused some trouble. My dad was a hippie, and mm -hmm. that honestly like a lot of my knowledge of hippies, other than historically, like comes from just stories I grew up around. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was like, he grew up in Detroit, 
and he went to college in Michigan and he spent a lot of time in New York and just spent a lot of time like driving around the country mm-hmm. it was kind of like rudderless and just would like travel from place to place back doing when you could do that and- yeah back when you could do that and then like still go, I don't know be a person later right exactly like, that's the thing that I feel very jealous of that there was a whole generation of people who could just like dick around for 10 years mm-hmm. and then be like all right time to be a nurse psychologist to right. I'm off I'll to UCLA to now. do that like that was my dad whereas like I well, don't feel it, it's the thing that of, I have that ability that great lie that we were told in like grade school with the concept of the permanent record oh yeah did you ever have that yeah yeah so like I don't know when I figured out that like the permanent record didn't exist isn't a thing <laughs> but like but now it is <sighs> And it's just, it's your you online the footprint internet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. is your permanent That's record. That's true. And so it, there's this much more sense of like every, you're being tracked all the time. Not even, I don't even mean like oh necessarily God. in a sinister way. I just mean in a general way, like you're, you're, you're constantly presenting. And so like back then you could disappear. Like it wouldn't be, it would be not un, unusual, even when I was a kid for like someone to go move to the West Coast, Mm -hmm. and then we'd never see them again. And not in a bad way, just in a like, well, they live all the way in. You know, know, we see them every now and again, but you never, like I had an uncle who lived in Florida, and I saw him like three times when I was between the ages of like, my dad's only brother for like four and 15. And like, we were, when he called, it was a huge deal. You know, like still, even in like in the early 90s, because of long distance, you know, like he was still calling, it was expensive and stuff. (laughs) And you just would, you just never hear from these people because there was no instant way to keep in touch. There was no posting. There was no nothing. And that wasn't weird. That was right. just the way it is. So like right you say, now it would be weird. It'd be weird. But you could do that. You could just choose not to be on social media and you could, but it's, a, into but the it's instead of the other way, instead of the choice being, Oh, now I'm on social media. The choice right. is I'm not. Yes. That is the, it is, it is assumed that you are, you are available, trackable, findable, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and even uh, you and I, even if we decided to, to dump um, so all of our social media, which we wouldn't do because then we feel like our careers would go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You and I are findable other ways. We wrote things that people have online. We both have IMDb pages. We both have like these, there's this yeah. sort of something is following you around as part of you, the, this, this thing we've decided to be a part of. And so it's not, even even if you decide to live off the grid, the grid will that's you. true. Yeah. That's true. But I mean, and I guess also some of it is just like my artistic ambition. Like mm-hmm. I suppose if I wanted to do a job that needed me and I could just wait a while mm-hmm. and then jump back into that thing where you, if you have the right skill set, you can just do it mm-hmm. because it's, you it's know, that kind of job. It's that kind of job. Right. Whereas, you know, acting and writing and all the things that I do are mm-hmm. things that, I, particularly acting, like I have always had a sense of like needing to take care of myself physically mm-hmm. and like be pre- present physically. Like sure. I, you know, get panicky about leaving the city for like a week because I'm like, what if all the things happen and I'm not there? Like, <laughs> you know, the like nobody's banging down your door to be an actor was a thing that got said to us in college a lot. Right. Like, if you're not here, somebody else is here ready to take your place. That is so f- I'm sorry. No, <laughs> and I don't I mean, usually curse right. on this podcast, but it's so Oh, yeah. Are we allowed to? Yeah, I don't whatever. even realize if out. I have. I'll figure it. You haven't. I'll figure it out <laughs> okay, later. Okay, but it's I. I big deal. Okay. Uh, I might we'll bleep that. I might not. I don't know. We'll We're talking about Look, hair. It's hair. If I play sodomy later, like I'm definitely not going to beep that. So <laughs> play it. Play it right now. Sodomy.
That's good. I just did. Because um, <laughs> because one of the things you just said that I did want to circle back to, and this is a good way to get there, is this idea that characters, the structure of it is very, in a lot of ways, very traditional like music theater review mm. where the characters step forward and tell you who they are. Mm-hmm. But like instead of saying, this is my name and this right. is my job or whatever, they sing you songs about concepts or other people the number of songs in this show about people who we never meet right. is really really funny like yeah. you think about songs like i mean this, the first song we hear outside of aquarius right. donna. is donna oh once upon a looking for donna time there was a 16 year old virgin oh donna oh oh donna oh 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 looking for my just come back from looking for Donna, San Francisco, psychedelic urchin. Oh, Donna, oh, oh, Donna, oh, 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 looking for my Donna. Have you seen my 16-year-old tattooed woman heard a story? She got busted for her beauty. Oh, 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 We will never meet. Who probably doesn't exist. Who is, who is a concept. Who is a concept, right. <laughs> and we hear that Burger is obsessed with this girl named Donna. And then, you know, you get hashish, which is a weird thing. But then you meet, um, who is, what is the name of the character who sings? Um, um, Woof. Sodomy. Woof, yeah. And they do have monologues where they introduce themselves. Yes, that's but true. their music is really just about... An idea that sort of, of defines them in a vague way. It's, the, yeah. it's sort of like how they want the audience to understand them because they sing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a lot of ways. And it's a really interesting way to like, it's it's called a bookless musical when it came out. Mm. That was something that people said about it a lot, which is not true. It does have a book. And as like we say, monologues yeah, and speeches. Yeah, it does and have a book. Like, um, it has a plot. It has a book. They're not right. as traditional as. But it has, I think it was. Not. It was called that because I think it has twice as many songs at the okay. time as so like any Broadway show did. Analysis. Yeah. Oh, and also, a lot of the songs, if you look at the running times, are like a minute. There's yeah. a lot of one minute songs in, in this show. And even the ones that are like. Like Air, which is a fully developed song, is only a minute and a quarter. Like it's a pretty short, and it's a traditional song. It has a verse and a chorus and a verse and a chorus. It builds and it's great. And then she climbs out of the dumpster and she's pregnant, which is a riot. (laughs) Um, And we never know why. And we we know why, but we never know who the father is. And it's not even really intimated at. Like it's not even part of the deal. No, or Or she doesn't care because it's you know one of those takes a village situations where she's just kind of planning to. Yeah. Be She's the an mom and have character. everyone be. She isn't. <laughs> but it does have. I mean, it has this structure to it. It has an arc to it of these characters. They get together. They hang out, and they have a be in, and which is hilarious. <laughs> and then you know, Act Two starts, and then they all take acid. Right. And we have the trip, and then Claude goes to war, and then Claude comes back from war. 
And yeah. so it does, it, it, it has a logical build to it that I wonder if the off-Broadway production had because the songs are kind of, it has that weird thing. Yeah, I mean, I was doing a lot of reading about it and it, I don't know exactly, but it feels like it was trying to resist that for a while. Yes. It was trying very much to be like, a, things are happening, you don't know what they are, we are really resisting structure of any kind and we're just like following what's fun. Yeah. And we're being that kind of theater, like because that's the kind of theater that they were making, mm -hmm. James Rado and Jerome Ragney. Like yeah. that's what they knew and were interested in. Um, and I guess when they were like, we are going to Broadway, <laughs> they started well, figuring, I, think I don't know. What, some of the stuff I've read about it, they, they started to have to make decisions based on the fact that it's a show. And I think that affected, like, so for example, um, one of the most noticeable differences between the two cast recordings is the, the, the flip of white boys and black boys. Yeah. And that white boys originally came first, yeah, and black boys I came second. And they side. had to switch it because white boys was stopping the show, and so like nobody was listening to black boys. You know, what I mean? like it wasn't being heard. Interesting. And so that is flipped now. Yeah, and so they were like, so they sing black boys, and then white boys was just got such a huge laugh. Then closes that little section, and it did really, really well. And once you start to make those decisions it probably becomes clear to you that like, well, this, cause it does kind of have a structure to it. Like we say, it does have a kind of a build where they go through these sequences. We meet everybody mm -hmm. like that still exists. We party, we do drugs and then he leaves. Yeah. It, it, it has a kind of a movement to it that allows you to do things like AB baby yeah. and even black boys and white boys, which is kind of like a dance hall number that comes completely out of nowhere yeah. and just put it in this space as them all having a good time and the audience will go along with you for it if you just give them that little tiny, because it gives you just the barest little bit. Well, and that's what I love about it is that mm. it does have, like when people say hair has no plot, mm -hmm. I'm like, it actually does. It has just enough plot that everything else is easily digestible mm -hmm. and beautiful and you can like feel it the way that it wants you to feel it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it, I think if it was totally rudderless, like you, I, I would probably not be as excited about. It. I don't know. Yeah. I think that like a little bit of structure to hang something on makes rule breaking well, and structurelessness more interesting. And it gives the characters identity, though. Like it is. Yeah. Without that little bit of structure and without that little bit of story, I don't care. Yeah. Claude dies. Right. Like, I don't because there's nothing. There's no stakes for him anywhere we just need that little bit of and it's such a silly little runner and then he burns his library card which is a riot <laughs> but like that he just can't burn his draft card and what i also really like about that plot though is how it's about a real life problem that i think a lot of people his age we'll say men because yeah. that's who was getting drafted faced of the thing of like i don't want to go to war but there's also something about the way i've been raised that is refusing to allow me to burn my draft card. Completely. And like it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it gives stakes to this show that wouldn't exist if it was just like, and we're all singing mm -hmm. about how we don't care about this war, the end, mm -hmm. don't go to this war. Like right. it gives you a sense of what it means to burn your draft card and to resist this war mm -hmm. and like how, and to be a hippie in general is... Yeah, going against something that is like baked into you from childhood and it's not maybe as easy of a choice as it 
yeah. is designed to look it like. It The show does, and one of the reasons I resent kind of the, the fun-loving ways that it, it can be staged nowadays is that, is that very concept of like dealing with these, this very, very hard and interesting decision that has these real life or death yeah. stakes to it. And it, 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 it isn't reductionist because it doesn't go into it too much. It just sort of, this is the way it is. He doesn't burn his draft cards, so he gets drafted, so he dies. That's a one that's, and you kind of go, yeah, probably. You know, that yeah. sort of makes a lot of sense to me. And it doesn't, it also doesn't talk a lot about the war. There's no like debates with the war. Right. And there's also no real other point of view, which is very interesting. There's no, there's the little moment right before his, I got life. With his parents, right? But the, it's sort of like yeah, they're yeah. play acting it's, 1948. Yes. They're not really there. And it, even right. Melba Moore, not Melba Moore, um, who is in the cast, but I'm thinking of um, the character your boyfriend played. Um, uh, Margaret Mead. Margaret Mead. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> at singing My Conviction, who is the older person in yes. the show, is... Accepting and sub- yeah. and subversive to society and right, it's in, not spring awakening. It's not like no, here's not the thing all. we're raging against. Now let's jump around. Now let's and rage sing about, about it. it. Yeah, rage. it's yeah. very much just like we could live this way. Like this could be. This is just it's, actually it is. This is how we're living. This yeah. is what we're doing, and this is how we do it. And isn't that isn't that nice? Yeah. No, you. <laughs> but mean, there you get are like real three problems. Three five to zero it. zero. Like you get a couple of just oh like grisly. Oh my god. <laughs> depictions of war. I love three five zero. It's so good. So It is the song that I li- I think I listen to the most really? from this album. It is just a I mean aside from the fact that like that screaming guitar at the top of the track is so wonderful. It is just it's like my perfect kind of theater song where it starts one way and then it gets to that great kind of mania where it does that traditional sort of Broadway right, show songy number. It is everything I like about 
this show is in this yeah. moment when it gets dark it gets, it gets scary. super scary and that's and important yeah I, yeah I, I fully agree with you yeah like, and then it drifts don't... into that beautiful Shakespeare yeah like it really turns very hard and well you also get like all that. the nuns and the monks killing each other yeah and all of the like yeah, it gets dark. Pretty, it gets dark. It gets heavy. That's good. And then it throws. I mean, and then it goes away. It really has the like. So that's what I like. It, it does this. This show does not. It also has. I mean, earlier in Act Two, we have Easy to Be Hard, mm-hmm. which is a real demonstrating the problems of this sort of concept of love everybody. Yeah. And free love. Sheila and Berger's relationship and friend. Berger is manic to say <laughs> to say the least and Sheila is absolutely in love with him and he treats her like yeah. complete garbage and it and, isn't and ever hey, really resolved it's, it's not just a feminist their relationship. show but that's the closest <laughs> maybe we get so how do you yeah that's an interesting question though how do you it's funny to me that I mean we are I don't know 15 years apart in age I don't I don't <laughs> want to know but it's a uh, but What's funny about that to me with a show like this is you're right. It is not a feminist show. It doesn't pretend to be. Um, But how do you feel about it from that standpoint in both? I should say we'll separate this into two halves. There's the writing of it. And then there's the way you've seen it staged because you could stage it. You know, the staging can affect how those sort of aspects would come out of it. That's true. Um, It's not something I mean, I think if I had come to it later I might have different feelings about mm-hmm. it in general that's a lot of things like the things it that you true. love it really does affect you in a, like a serious way yeah I mean look something. if if you have to decry everything that is unfeminist like there's not a lot of content left like we just can't, we can't do that there's <laughs> if you want to like art and be a feminist like you gotta yeah. have some compromises where you can say like I wish this was x Sure. But I still choose to enjoy it. But so how much of that do you have to do um, with but hair? So not a lot. I mean, I I think that because so much of hair is we give you bare bones and you get to put whatever you want onto it, both you, the actor, and you, the audience, mm-hmm. get to add to it, the female characters don't feel uncomplex to me, even though technically, like... All th- I mean, Dion doesn't really talk much, so I would say no. there are three female characters who, like, Just have much of a point of view. Sheila, Sheila, Chrissy, Chrissy and Jeannie, and Jeannie, and all three of them have, me- you know, are dealing with men. Sheila's in love with. Um, I mean, you know, you get her as like the the protester. She's the NYU right. student. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not just that, but she's you know she's got a big love ballad. Right. Jeannie is pregnant. Right. And in love with Claude. And right. Chrissy sings about Frank, Frank Mills. Mills. So, like, yeah, you know, if if we're being real about it, like, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. But um, 
but because you get so little of everybody, you don't have to. It's not as if every male character is is right, incredibly well drawn, and the and the and the women and are just sort of tools for the men. Like it doesn't feel like that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody's kind of loosely. Yeah, it's such an ensemble show that like just because those are the step out moments, they're not not participating in the rest of the like very beautiful and three dimensional and meaningful show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I didn't get the sense watching it, the revival at least, of, it felt like a celebration of sexuality as opposed to an exploitation of sexuality. I think that like, when I think about the hippie movement and free love, I think that there's a lot of insidious misogynists oh, 100%. in there yes. that people love to just sort of yes. pass Push over. To the side and, and say the music was great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't live in that era, but I feel pretty strongly about that. Yeah. Um, so. It is free love for straight white men. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was, basically. Yeah. Writ large. I'm sure, that, and this is all, like, there were people, I'm sure, living both sides of all equations and doing great stuff and all that's fine. But, like, basically, it was just the freedom for, it was often used as pressure to have women sleep Absolutely. with guys. Like, that was pretty much what it was. Yeah, and, I mean, even the most generous interpretation of it is, I just don't see your, I mean, this is something that I think, like, we talk about a lot more now, which is, like, oh, this is what a woman's perspective on life is and what she goes through and I just have absolutely no access to that Mm -hmm. so I don't see how free love for her might be different than free love Mm -hmm. for me and so maybe it's not like a malicious insidious pressure all the time maybe it's just a total lack of knowledge about what her experience of this culture is sure and how it is less free for her than it is for me and Mm -hmm. like not understanding that um but so is there a reading of hair that is that I'm sure there is. (laughs) One could probably really pick apart Mm -hmm. hair in that way. Yeah. But it's not a thing that that sticks out to me or or gets to me. And I I do think that some of that is just like when I became attached to it and like how much it jumps out to me. I think think you're probably right in in the sense that it's kind of like – Whenever I talk to my students about the Bechdel test, I always think like I have a small exception for certain movies like When Harry Met Sally, Mm -hmm. which is when Harry Met Sally, all the women talk about are the men, Mm -hmm. but all the men talk about are the the women. women. Yeah. Like it's that it's it is so it's balanced in that sense. So it sort of lives outside the test. And I feel that hair can I want to be very strong about this in the writing anyway doesn't get into those issues and and avoids them partially because, like you said, the men aren't tremendously well-drawn for the most part either. Right. So you end up with much more just a pastiche of people. And ultimately it has a male protagonist and a male second lead. So it is a male-based show. I would love to see a female burger. That'd be so cool. Wouldn't that be great? That would like, be great. You can't make, I mean, why, have, why not? You can't make Claude. No, he has to go to war. But, to go like, to war. but yeah, you could make, you could make almost any of the, yeah. with the exception of Jeannie. Yeah. And, and Claude, you could probably flip, you could probably play well, with gender I mean, any way you wanted to. The whole thing is about like his sort of fluid yes. potential gayness. Mm-hmm. So you could flip him, but it's maybe less, 
Yeah. Interesting. No, too. I would Although, love like, to see a female burger. You could burger. have a, a non binary one. That would bring something. such but an interesting dynamic to the show. A female burger would be so cool. And, like, to. Uh, and there's, I can think of so many women who would have such a blast mm-hmm. playing with that character. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't. Be fun. I, I, I'm gonna look into whether that's been <laughs> done. I'm sure it's been done. Know. I just want to sure know where and how and how often and how, and how it, it went. Yeah, <laughs> but how did that go? I want to. Sadly, not the character. Like, uh, I want to be in here so badly. Be Who would you want to play? So in here? badly, I want to play Sheila. I would get cast as. Chrissy. I was gonna say, okay, good. I would 100 percent get cast. As <laughs> you can tell you're a real actress because you're like, I know. Oh, what I know. I, want, I know, know what I get. Yeah, I know all about my type. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I th- and I could definitely sing Frank Mills, um, but I think where my voice probably mo- more naturally lives is with Sheila. I'm like more mm. of a belter than a mixer. Okay, um, but I can. Well, I, you just I'll have to do knock it. The I can do off it. The audition. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all. I also could play Jeannie. Like I think I would honestly yeah, be you a could great Jeannie. cover for those three women. Mm-hmm. Like I could. I, I really do think it's a show where like. Let, no modesty here. I think no. it's a show that I could play any of those three women mm-hmm. well um, and would love to. Uh, and I would love to see a woman play Burger, and I probably wouldn't be the right one That'd for it. But, but a lot of people criticize the revival for being, I guess, sanitized. Mm-hmm. That was not my experience of it. I mean, maybe if you have a deep relationship to, like, maybe if you saw the original cast on Broadway or at the public or you have some sort of, like, a, then I can see why that is a criticism. But I thought everyone in that cast was amazing. And, like, they were, I mean, I don't think that you have to sacrifice, like, strong vocals in order to get something interesting and raw and powerful. Like, no, certainly you don't. not. No, not at all. And everyone I think that Andre cast DeShield was is on like proof of that. fire. Yes. Yeah. Everyone in that cast was on fire vocally, mm. but they were also, and I saw it twice. I saw it, I, oh, wow. I played the lottery a lot and I won a lottery and went with a friend and it was as good. It was like a random Wednesday night or something. Sure. It was as incredible, like their energy was all boundless mm-hmm. and it was exciting. It was it was that like Natasha Pierre thing of like everyone in the aisles and mm-hmm. kind of coming up to you. Obviously, they did it first. I just, right. That's my reference yes. right now. For that's that. fine. Um, and yeah, like Berger's opening monologue was like in the audience. He was like stepping mm-hmm. on everyone's chairs. Right. And look, it's Broadway. It's it's a much more like mechanized version of Broadway than it probably was 50 years oh, ago. Sure. But so, you know, but it 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 gave me that feeling. of. Sure. Anything could be happening, and um, that kind of knocked back. Uh, yeah, so I can understand why uh, someone's relationship to the like authenticity of what that is trumps my personal experience. But also, it's a revival, so it's for a different, gen- you know, yeah. it's for, for a, a different generation, a different generation of people, or it mm-hmm. is including a newer generation yes. of people. Um, and as a member of that generation, it definitely felt powerful to me and just vocally what the, the songs are so beautifully written yeah they really and when are. you get an ensemble of incredibly powerful vocalists there's like no limit to what you can feel sitting and listening to those people like wail at you oh yeah and that's i mean and that and that's also just me like i find vocal power powerful like sure. i am very moved by strong singing and not just strong singing like there has to be something behind it um but that was there was just something about like that washing over you in that theater um that was 
that was incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I should go see more productions of Hair. Well, they don't, it doesn't get done a ton. I no, mean, there's that, really. you know... Occasionally at It pops up and it... Yeah, here and there. But it yeah. isn't... It is a very loaded show. Yeah. It has a lot of baggage that comes with it. Like we were talking... Like with the nudity, the drug use, with the whatever. It, it, it's it, it, controversial. Like, it's yeah. still... You know, there's a lot in there that still feels dangerous you yeah. know despite, it's not it's not eye dated like well none of this is a problem anymore right <laughs> like, it really isn't no it, it, it actually and I'll say walking walking here from my hotel listening to it yeah was a pretty like vibrant experience when I got to the tr- it, it, which is probably my three favorite songs in the show are Walking in Space 3500 and The Flesh Failures yeah and Walking in space my one. is one that really like walking walking up Seventh Avenue with walking in space playing is a pretty intense experience. All the clouds your lots, walking in space. Oh my god, your skin is soft. I love your face. How dare they try to end this beauty? How dare they try to end just so simple and lovely and the music is so good yeah. and it really and the lyrics are really great I yeah. mean they're really like Ragni and Rado wrote some pretty intense lyrics and I mean as I understand it they just handed them to Galt McDermott yeah and yeah he separate, set them it was a music, whole, yeah, it's a separate which is situation. just it, both of that is inconceivable to me it's inconceivable to me that they would write something like like Frank Mills I get that it's a it's a funny little like verse speech basically. It doesn't right. rhyme ever, and it just and yeah. he just set it to this nice tune where you kind of don't notice it doesn't rhyme, which yeah. is pretty hard. But like walking in space and easy to be hard. Like I can't imagine these two guys yeah. like writing these words down without any, yeah. just sort of in the in the ether and then handing it off to Galt McDermott and he comes back with that's with easy to be hard. Yeah, and, uh, right, yeah it's just it's well, and that's just, just the, like the incredible marriage of like them and him is that they were these like weirdo hippies making things in right. basements, and he was like a sort of clean shaven yep. dude, like with the family. I who think. was just uh, and he was Canadian, yeah, and he was just a little out there for the Broadway establishment, <laughs> but was it so? And therefore, was an excellent bridge for me yeah, between yes, those two worlds. Absolutely. I mean, he's kind of like. Uh, George Martin was for the Beatles in the sense of like George Martin was a very late like to our eyes compared to the Beatles a very laced up proper British mm-hmm. guy but apparently in recording circles in the, in the early mm. 60s he was a lunatic like That's they considered him to be nuts and so like he was a great person at delivering that music to the public and just like I think uh, McDermott is the perfect vehicle to deliver hair and that message and those lyrics to the public of like he knows when it needs to be tuneful, when it needs to be traditional, yeah. when it needs to be more out there. He really has a great sense of what they're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. And he And it, he gives it a really beautiful, like, stru- structure. Yeah, absolutely. And a, and a score. I mean, a, a score that yeah. builds and, and, lo- and slides and, and then comes back in again and, and just is 
yeah, culminating in, in flesh failures, which I think yeah. is just like one of the most amazing finales to any musical yeah, ever. Really. It is so aggressive for a show that has been so <laughs> passive for so and so like go along to get along. Like it really does end with everybody just screaming. Yeah. Let the sunshine in is such a like. Oh, oh my it's God. so cathartic. And and then, and then more Shakespeare of it all. And the whole yeah. like, oh, just oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I do. I very much remember both times seeing it, like getting up on the stage and just and I was. Yeah, I was in like particularly just like emotional and volatile moment in my life. Mm-hmm. And it was like so meaningful to get to just like scream it. Yeah. Out. Just scream, let the sunshine in. Because it really had, it builds you to that point of just being like, and just like how dare they try to end this beauty, it is a like, one of the central messages to me of the best part of the hippie movement is just, is that sort of what eventually became like the Ram Dass be here now kind of aesthetic of just like, be, be present. Look around you and see what's going on. Yeah, and like, which for, is still kind of a radical concept. Kind of. <laughs> we haven't harder to do. Fa- yeah. Well, and it's harder yes. to do now than it was then. It's harder to be present. It's harder to be because there's so many things that make us feel like we're being present. Yeah. And we're not. Like just because you know what literally like 200 people are up to at this moment because of what they posted on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't well, mean you're looking around you and like aware and living in the in the space. And just generally like culture sway. I mean, I just feel like we are in a much more conservative moment of culture. Like Oh yeah. When I think about like my father's relationship to drugs and acid and how acid was just like being passed out like mm-hmm. candy. Well, and, and sugar cubes, so almost literally yeah, like Yeah, literally candy. Um, and like my, you know, not that people don't do drugs. People absolutely do drugs. But like it, it's not mainstream culture in the way that it seemed like it. Not that that was mainstream culture, but it was much more, there. I don't know, there were people who I think that like, People in my generation would consider themselves, they have a, like, they, they think that there is a string tied to them to that culture. But in reality, I think that they live much more conservative lives without realizing it. Because that's just sort of where I think we are culturally. Well, and. Like, we're in an age of entrepreneurship. Like, you don't. I might quibble work with your, your use of the word conservative, though I don't okay, think you're wrong. I, I, I would it's feel. Maybe not the right word. It's a more frightened. And also, but isn't that that's concern? Like, yes, it's yes. Safe. I see what you're saying. In the it, sense it of, is... in the sense of conservative meaning safety and security. Sure, okay. we all value sense, security yes. oh, more God, than yes. I think that generation did. Yeah, and so that's what I mean by conservative. Not necessarily sure. like Reagan conservative, even like, but conservative in the sense of we don't take risks the way. Yeah, it that, is a much more risk averse culture. Yes. That is, which is actually hilarious in a ironic and not funny at all way because we are actually a more drug culture hmm. than we ever were it's just pharmaceuticals it's not on the street yeah, which well, is its not own, going so well for us not so great no and <laughs> um and it's this funny thing of just like which was something that was going on at the time when you listen to songs like Rolling Stones Mother's Little Helper like mm. people were popping pills yeah absolutely with a reckless abandon <laughs> that we all like you just have to be richer and whiter to get them right or, or not not I mean then certainly but like yeah. now I mean they're being then, handed I mean, out yeah absolutely I then I mean now you have you know I don't I don't remember the last time somebody I knew actually did acid but like no but yeah but everyone you can but get people do well and also well what's so funny is also like walking down it is it will I am just old enough that 
walking down the street and smelling weed still puts me on my heels mm. a little bit of like, shit, is somebody going to get in trouble? Like, it's always my like bit of like, where, you know, and then I go, oh, right. It's 2019. Apparently yeah. nobody gives a damn. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is hilarious to me. <laughs> the number of people I see walking down the street just smoking. Yeah. And like seeing people smoke in public is so odd like now yeah. that it's like it's triply odd for me to be like Jesus Christ that's great <laughs> what are you like, doing well, part of me is like great and the other part of me is like I feel very uncomfortable right now yeah. and that's just because of when I was raised and what smoking weed meant to me when I was in my 20s yeah versus what smoking weed means now that's to true. literally everybody and so it's funny it, it, it's just so that I think we're simultaneously like we often are as you go through time we're simultaneously more free and less free. There's yes. Cer- we we well, trade certain certain freedoms and certain uh, lack of, of hang-ups for new and exciting right. <laughs> hang-ups on this side. I don't, I don't know that, like, I mean, that weed becoming, like, more common, decriminalized, sometimes legal, I don't even know if that, like, I guess in, on some level it does speak to what you're, like, I guess you could say that that is, more free but it still feels to me like even just like that that the the path is narrower i guess sure that that. you have to you know like just the idea that like you can't succeed if you don't go to college oh sure that there oh do not get me started on that (laughs) that that there are fewer it feels like there are fewer options 100 percent. oh that that and and so you can't veer from that path or you will drown the well, like you said at the beginning about your dad, like just taking some time off and wandering around. Yeah. Like if you did that now, there would be a four part Dr. Phil special about you <laughs> and like what a tragedy yeah. this is. And it is like it, it, the irony is that the the prescribed path for success has been narrowed to the point where literally nobody fits. Yeah. Like it doesn't work for anybody, I don't think, because the people who do it and who get there quickly realize that all the the music and art they were listening to that said this isn't the way to succeed is right and then either freak out well they probably all freak out but then like drop out change do whatever and then write the same books that then people later don't read and and study in english class and don't take the lessons from uh it does feel a lot less like there's so many more benchmarks like by the time i'm this age i should be doing this and i should be doing that and those things certainly existed when I was a kid, but not to the micro level, that, yes. like what you're talking about now, where it's like you have to be doing this by this point. And also you have to be fulfilled by what you're doing and you have to be this and you have yeah. to be that. The pressure to be happy <laughs> is so insane. Right yeah. Now. It's something I definitely really struggle with. Like my my it sometimes it feels like a like war between like who my two parents are. Like my my father is this sort of like weird hippie and, and my sure. mother is like a very driven like lady um she's like Mm -hmm. she's a city person and he's like a hiker you know Mm -hmm. um and and there's a part of me that like wants to just disappear for five years and like travel around the country doing nothing and experiencing things and like but you have trouble leaving the city for a week i have trouble i a couple years ago my boyfriend and i went on a a road trip i think it was maybe like 10 days and Uh we met him in dc and we drove we sort of like went between driving and trains and whatever yeah. um, from D.C. to L.A. and then where oh, I'm wow. from. Sure. And then flew back. And I had never done any kind of oh, road that's trip cool. like that. Mm. And it was amazing. It was amazing. 
Um, but I, I didn't want to, or I wanted to do it, but I was scared to do it because I felt it was just sort of like the middle of the spring. I was a year or two out of college. I, I was like, I can't leave. Like I have to be fully driven all the time. And like, I don't know that I can afford myself this kind of break, but there is like a part of me that just kind of wishes that I could experience things on a on a level that I don't think I allow myself to all the time and like wishes that well, I Well it's could. the it's the no vacation culture. Yeah. It's the like somebody put out a study the other day that like people now take less time off than like serfs did in the yeah. middle ages. Like it is the now granted they had to stop in the winter because it was physically impossible, <laughs> but the song remains the same that like we don't stop. Yeah. Ever. We don't. It's the, the plague of the communication is actually it hasn't made us free or it's made us less free because we can work from home. Yeah. But then we work 24 hours. My wife works tw- doesn't literally work 24 hours a day, but she is available 24 hours a day to her job. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm doing you know, a thing that I love and I'm lucky to do. And, and like so it's like so you better not stop doing it. Right, or even a moment, just go away. because like you're choosing this, you could have a job you don't care about and take all the vacation that you want. Right, or you can like choose less financial security because you love what you do, but then like you better go do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are still then on top of it societal pressures to do all those other things that you're always supposed to do yeah. that are either writ large from society or in the family or whatever, like yeah. that come at you from every direction, which actually. Now, I only know three things that you've written, <laughs> but they all... Wait, what are the three things? The three things I know that you've written are, I'm not going to remember any of the titles, I know, and friends. I apologize. So, Sex Friends. And then I sent you my San Francisco play from last year, The Dark, from this year, The Dark. The Dark. And the then horror play. the um, Paperless Pulp. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's honestly not a representative sample, but... Well, it isn't, but... <laughs> it's called they, Apocalypse Airbnb. There we go. Apocalypse Check it Airbnb. out. Out now. It is great. No, it's great. On Paperless <laughs> Pulp podcast. Listen. And... Um, Starring friend of the podcast, Michelle Polera. And, but they all deal on different levels with what you just talked about, which is the anxiety mm. surrounding some level of expectation. So, like, yeah. in, in um, Apocalypse Airbnb, there, is a, there are characters who are on a path that they feel they cannot deviate from. And the play is about them dealing with that. In, um, uh, sex friends, which is my favorite, it <laughs> is you. a um, and which everybody should find and read and do because it's freaking hilarious. I think you can download it on NPX. It's so great! If you it's read it. so great. Um, is literally, I mean, that one of the reasons I love that play is because aside from the fact that it's a riot, is the anxiety of having a good time is one mm-hmm. of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> of the like the pressure to have fun is so great when you microcosm it like that. And then also in the dark, there is a it's different because it's a, different from those other two. Yeah. But it is also about um the anxiety of the unknown and the mm-hmm. unexplored and the fear of what might be out there. And then of course in, in that play. Well, it manifests in something literal. Justified. But <laughs> it is a horror play. It is a horror play. But it does, all th- this anxiety of, personal anxiety. Yeah. For this, it's for the characters. It's not this like great anxiety. It is just this like, all of your, your central characters have this sort of like, personal anxiety most interestingly manif- I like the way it's manifest in Apocalypse Airbnb where mm-hmm. these two different anxieties because of the way the world is in mm-hmm. the play like run headlong into each other in a 
very serious and genuine way. And neither of them is wrong because yeah. of the world you've built. The world is falling apart. So like any any response to that is kind of valid. <laughs> it's valid, yeah. And, but ultimately, you know, you have to make a decision. And I will tell you later how I thought that play was going to end, actually. Mm. Um, but it was good. I'm, I like the way it ends. Uh, and I won't tell you. Listen to it. Um, but so I think that that's funny that it, it is you were talking about that, like that anxiety of the world. Yeah, well, I was going to mention... Filters its way into what you write. I was going to mention Sex Friends because... Yeah, in a lot of ways, that play is about looking at myself and saying, like, in some ways, this is who I feel I am as a person. Like, I'm the kind of person who should be, like, having sex parties and doing whatever and, like, being free and open. And, like, that's where a lot of my impulses lie. And then there's this other side to me, which is, like, very type A and likes to be in control of a situation and has anxiety and, like, is in direct contrast to that feeling and like what do those things look well, and then, like and you put them together for that play into the protagonist who is exactly. a type a person trying to throw an orgy exactly, which is which just I thought like would be funny is, it is really funny you were right <laughs> but it's also <laughs> but it really also funny speaks to like something that i struggle with a lot which but the is... smartest thing about the play is that it, it, what's so funny about like you you when you obviously anytime you're like when you boil things down to the logistics it, it, and make it like not sexy at all. Yeah. That's very funny. But what makes that play really good for me is the character who was brought along, um, who doesn't know anybody oh, at the, the sex yeah. party, but also has had has been a participant in several sex parties. Mm -hmm. And like you see who that person is and what their life is like a little bit. Yeah. And it gives you this perspective, even more so of being like, you aren't those people. Like, yeah. you're just not. Yeah. And, like, he's the sort of, in any other play, he would be, like, the wizened, like, <laughs> like orgy hippie. And he's really not. He's just he's a guy just in a chair a bro, yeah. who's talking about meth, you know, and whatever else. <laughs> and it's, but it's it, it's what gives that play a couple levels where, like, the comedy is comes from not only the type A person throwing the orgy and then everyone discussing the logistics of it, but also this other character who is just sort of throwing bombs from the corner. Yeah. I mean, like, if we want to do it, like, we can do it. It's not a big deal, you know. Right. right? And, and the, yeah. you, the idea you have a, about the thing is, is not necessarily the reality of it and yeah. like how do you access the thing you're after which doesn't necessarily match up with like what the real version of it probably is right exactly where can people find you online serena um people can go to my website which is serenaberman.com um the it, i'm on instagram at Flying Toast and Twitter, Twitter and Instagram at Flying Toast. I should probably change that. It should just be my name. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really good at Instagram. <laughs> I'm not bad at Instagram. Um, I I'm bad at Instagram, so you're not bad. At I Instagram. try, but I'm not. It's not going to be my way in. Let's no, put it that way. Sure, I get. That. Uh, but you know, I should I, get I should work on it. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Right. That's, it? that's you sure. can you can look me up on New Play Exchange. Um, if oh yeah, please plug that. So few people are on who are also on New Play. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Go to New Play Exchange. Just yeah, do it right hang now. Out on my Check website. It out. Just like hang out there. Click around. Click around. Join. Download a play. It's great. It's so much um, fun. Read yeah. a thing. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. We starve. Look at one another, short of breath. Walking proudly in our winter coats Wearing smells from laboratories Facing a dying nation Of moving paper fantasy Listening 
The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at UnknownPenguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Serena Berman for talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Yeah!